Brethren, I speak in terms of human relations, even though it is only a man's covenant. Yet when it has been ratified, no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, is referring to many, but rather to one, and to your seed that is Christ. What I am saying is this, the law that came 430 years later does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. For if the inheritance is based on law, it is no longer based on a promise, but God has granted it to Abraham by means of a promise. Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions, having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise has been made. Now a mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is only one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. But the Scripture has shut up everyone under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to a promise. So to give you a little bit of background on the book of Galatians, it was written by the Apostle Paul around 49 A.D., It was written to a group of churches, so it wasn't just one church. It was a group of churches in this region called Galatia. It's kind of in the lower part of uh, Central Asia Minor. There's several uh, things you can reference here in the book of Galatians that Paul speaks of. Back to the book of Acts, several events. But what's going on here in the book of Galatians is that Paul has come and he set up these churches in the Galatia region, several different cities, and now he has left. And he had established these churches, he's gone. Well, what's going on is these false teachers, they're Jews, they're claiming to be saved, have come into the church, and now they're spreading false teaching that says that If you, as a Gentile, do not become a Jew, do not take on the traditions and the ceremonies that the Jews take on and follow and do the law, then you're not really saved. And unfortunately, these people are buying this hook, line, and sinker. Paul makes statements in uh, chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, 
I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. We see that uh, Paul is showing that he's pretty disturbed. He says, I'm amazed that you're so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. He makes mention to these Jews, these people who were uh, spreading these lies. He said, there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. He's referring to these people. Paul's so upset with this that he's. this is kind of a scourging letter. If you look at the first uh, couple verses of chapter 3, he says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? And he says, he goes on, Are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? So Paul's not very happy here, which kind of makes this letter a little bit difficult to to kind of break up and look at because there's a lot of stuff he's he's writing in a state that kind of makes it where he has run-on sentences and stuff like that. But what he is addressing here has to do with the law and faith and the contrast between the two. So the law, the law is God's righteous standard. The written law is contained in the first five books of the Old Testament written by Moses. It was the law that Israel was given. The first part of it, well, the first we see of it is the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, 1 through 17. God writes his Ten Commandments himself on stones of tablets that uh, Moses brought down from the mountain. So Moses is the one who has given charge by God to write the books of the law. It was given to them after they were freed from slavery of the Egyptians. And it addresses everything that God deems as good and evil. It gives instruction for punishment, for sin, for sinful behavior. And the law, if you were going to follow it, has to be fulfilled completely. You cannot not do any part of it and be considered justified. Scripture says in uh, Deuteronomy 27, anyone who does not follow the law completely is cursed as Deuteronomy 27:26 Deuteronomy 27 is full of curses for not following certain things of the law he uh he goes through several different things that he says that you must follow 
And he says, cursed are you if you do not do them. And it says right here, again, cursed is anyone who does not fulfill the words of this law by doing them. And the people shall say, Amen. This quote's repeated by Paul in Galatians 3.10. He says, For as many are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. One of the reasons that the law is established was to restrain the wickedness of man. The law repeatedly shows the consequences of sin and that God, what God deemed necessary as those consequences. Scripture shows us the wickedness of man and that God has the law in place to, for us so that he can restrain it. We see the wickedness of man through the act of Cain murdering his brother, Genesis 4.8. We look to the account of Noah, Genesis 6.5. says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of mankind was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of their heart was only evil continually. Psalms 14, 1-3, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed detestable acts. There is no one who does good. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of mankind to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. They have all turned aside together. They are corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. And of course, there's one that we all know. Romans three ten through 18. There is no righteous person, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks out God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good. There's not even one. Their throat is an open grave with their tongues, and they keep deceiving. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths, and they have not known the way of peace. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Man is evil. Man has devised evil things. Man has devised evil things for war. You look at history and throughout history, the terrible and evil things that have been given in, in warfare, the First World War, the chemical warfare that went on, all the torturous things. You look at the Christians who have been martyred throughout history and all the things that they've done to them, boiled them in oil, the things that man comes up with to their devices is, is absolutely amazingly evil in many ways. If you think about it, you don't ever have to tell somebody how to sin. You don't have to tell somebody how to do evil. 
It's inherent in their nature. The only way that that is taken away is through the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, yeah, many times we don't just go out and murder somebody. And that's something that's been established throughout mankind that it's wrong. And God has a restraining spirit among the earth at the moment that holds that back. Paul also shows us that the law can't give us eternal life. Galatians 3.21 Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Far from it. For if a law had been given that was able to impart life, then righteousness would have indeed would indeed have been based on law. Romans three nineteen through twenty first part of twenty. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed, and all the world may become accountable to God, because by the works of the law, none of mankind will be justified in his sight. Do you see that? None of mankind will be justified by the law. The law will not impart life. The law does not bring salvation. If the law were to bring salvation, if there was a law that says, you do this, you follow this, and you will be saved, people would do it. It would be achieved without God. You would be able to achieve that without God. But the law does not save. The law is not salvation. It has no way to save you. Galatians three eleven through 12 Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. So he's saying if you practice the law, then you have to live by all of it. You have to follow all of it, or you are damned by it. And we can't follow all of it. There's no way. There's not a single person other than Christ who ever followed the law and fulfilled the law. Another thing the law does, the law teaches us our sin and our need for Christ. Romans 3.20, the last part of it, for through the law comes knowledge of sin. Galatians 3.19, why the law then? It was added on account of the violations having been ordered through angels at the hand of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. The law is showing us our sin. The law shows us that we have no way of coming to God in and of ourselves. The law is an instructor. It says Galatians 3.24, Therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. The law shows us our sin. The law has no way of saving, yet it shows us our sin. And it leads us to Christ by showing us that we cannot fulfill it, 
that we cannot be justified on our own. So the question is, so what do we do? We see the law is unattainable. Even if it is attainable, Scripture says that the law can impart life. It can't save us. So now we see faith. Faith in Christ. Faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. We see what people have faith in all the time. You can see some people have faith that, uh, you know, that what they're taking as far as medications is going to help them to feel better with things. Some people have faith that, uh, the things that they eat are not going to hurt them. People have faith in their spouses. People have faith that, well, I for one have faith that when I push on the brakes in my car, it's going to stop. <laughs> you know, but there's things that, things that you have faith in because you have experience time and time and time again that they've worked. And, there's other things that you have faith in that you're hopeful that they're going to work. And you are given faith by these things, by these experiences and whatnot. But how do we have faith in Christ? So let's see, Galatians 3.24 Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ. So it says that if you have faith in Christ, that you are now sons of God. You live in this faith. But how do we get this faith? How is this done? Let's look at Paul. Turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 26. This is an account of Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus, starting in verse 12. So also engaged, as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me, and those who were journeying with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goad. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, and they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those 
who have been sanctified by faith in me. How did Paul get his faith? It says here that Jesus blinded him. He was doing what he wasn't supposed to be doing. He was persecuting the church. He was persecuting Christians. He was out arresting Christians. He was out putting them in prison. He even says that many of them died because of what he did. He says that uh, Christ came to him and speaking literally spoke to him in an audible voice in this transforming, amazing work in his life. Next, we look at Abraham in Genesis 15, 1 through 6. Abraham has been known as great in the faith. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abraham. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be great. And Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abraham said, Since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your body shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you are able to count them. And he said to them, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Abraham didn't have any offspring, yet God's telling him that you're going to be a great nation. God keeps telling him this. And at this point, God is speaking to him. And I, I was looking at this, the word of the Lord in verse 4. The word of the Lord. That is that God was literally talking to Abraham, which that's pretty cool. He was literally talking to Abraham. And he gave him this that he showed him. He said, look at the stars. Your descendants will be like the stars. And God gave Abraham this faith. At the time, there was no written word. There was no written law or anything like that. Actually, Galatians says the law came 430 years later after Abraham. But there was no written law. There was no written word. God was literally talking to Abraham. We have Romans 12.3. For through the grace given to me, I say to every among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. God gives every one of us 
all the faith we need. It all comes from God, this saving faith in Christ. It all comes from God. We don't have any way of doing it ourselves. Someone else here can't give me their faith. It comes from God specifically. Now, we have the written Word of God here. And I look at it and I say, I'm reading the Word of God. God's talking to me through His Word. I've never literally heard an audible voice from God. But if you look at these two, Paul and Abraham, Paul was literally writing Scripture after this conversion. But he did have some Scripture to go off of. Abraham didn't have anything except for the voice of the Lord. But they both had the voice of the Lord. And I would say every single one of us has the same thing. Christ comes, God comes into your life and takes control supernaturally. And you know it when it happens. He does it through His Word. He shows you what's going on in your life. The Spirit comes in you. And you were taken and given this faith in Christ from God. No one else can impart that upon you. So again, we go to Galatians chapter 3. Again, we look at 24 through 29. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come. We are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to a promise. Look at that. The law was our tutor. The law is the one who showed us who we are. The law is the one that shows us who Christ is. We have the written law to show us these things. Therefore, God will give us our faith in Christ. The law literally shows us the gospel. That we're sinful. That we can't make ourselves righteous through keeping the law. It shows us Christ, who has redeemed the curse that we are under when we are under the law. Galatians three eleven through 13 Just like in hanging out here. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, 
having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So the result is that we have been given faith by God, this faith to believe in Christ. The only way the man can be justified. We can't do it through the law. We can't do it in and of ourselves. Somebody else here can't do it for us. There's no man or woman on earth. There's no angel. There's no demon. Nobody can do this except for God. And as a result, we're justified by the faith that God gives us and we are no longer under the curse of the law. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you for this faith you've given us. Lord, it's not up to me. It's not up to any of us. It's you. It's you. So that no man may boast. It is all through you. Thank you for everything. Thank you for this word. Thank you for the law to show us where we are wrong and to show us where you stand, holy and righteous. Thank you, Lord. Amen.